With more than 200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hey, this is Jim Dudley. Jim, on a number of occasions, multiple occasions, we've talked about prison reform, um, decriminalization of various things. We talked about recently Prop 47, um, early release of prisoners, a whole variety of things that have taken place largely at the state level. Um, 30-odd states have had prison reform laws very recently passed where people are being let out early from, uh, from, from prison. Uh, you and I have anecdotally said that you know, it's, it's that 5% of people who are the criminals of the world. And all of the criminals are either in jail or outside on the streets committing crimes. Uh, a really interesting uh, uh, Bureau of Justice Statistics report came out uh, recently that showed 83% of prison, prisoners released by states under so-called jailbreak programs were rearrested within nine years of their arrest. I'm going to give you a couple more stats here. Um, here uh, scrolling down, 68% of released state prisoners were arrested within three years. Let's that sink in for a minute. Within three years, nearly more than two-thirds of those released were arrested again three years. 79% were arrested within six years. 83% within nine years, as I mentioned. Um, you know, the Conservative Review, which is the article you sent me that kind of alerted me to this, uh, I'm going to paraphrase what they had said at one point. Most crime is committed by a relatively small group of people who continuously reoffend. So our theory there has been backed up by some writer at the Conservative Review. I want to add one more thing to the mix before we uh, get going here. Astonishingly, and I mean astonishingly, Days after the DOJ report was released, like a week later, the House of Representatives, the United States House of Representatives, passed a prison reform bill, finger quotes here, by a margin of 360 to 59. That's, that's unprecedented in this divided landscape that we live in. The best part of this is the name. The best part of this is the name. Dubbed the First Step Act. That's an acronym, by the way. I'm going to go through it. It's short for Formerly Incarcerated Reenter Society Transformed Safely Transitioning Every Person Act. <laughs> it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. Uh, so what this effectively would do is bring to the federal level what's been happening at the state level, which is, you know, all of these early release programs. Now, I'll say um, it's a well-intentioned idea. It's, you know, bringing more services to people to give them job skills, to get them rehabilitated, get them off of whatever drugs that they're addicted to, give them some additional resources to reenter society in a, in, a, in, a, in a legal fashion, in a way in which you're going to be a member of society in a, in a positive way. It's going to die in the Senate, I can guarantee you that. But, um, you know, the, these two things happening so close together, um, what are your thoughts on this federalization of decriminalization and early release? Well, individual states have addressed this um, in an attempt to reduce overcrowding in prisons. In, in three years, California reduced the prison population by 30,000. Uh, 
Um, and hopefully it was aging prisoners, prisoners who served most of their term, uh, any drug offenses, prisoners with health problems, that they were weeded out first. But still, that's 30,000 people. And we know already that probably a good percentage of those, maybe like 68, 77, or 83%, have returned to prison already. In either three, six, or nine years. Right. So the idea was that uh, it was going to alleviate overcrowding. It was going to be uh, less stressful for inmates, less stressful for the correctional officers. Uh, It was going to reduce the population to, to... the cell capacities of which they were intended. Mm-hmm. In, in, in other words, instead of two prisoners in a cell, now you had bunk beds where you had four. You might have had prisoners in uh, gyms and other facilities not intended for habitation. So, okay, good ideas. But in California, we've painted ourselves into a corner by saying we are we are going to create a moratorium. We are not going to build any new prisons. So mm-hmm. we're stuck at... 33 prisons. We're not going to build any new ones. And so we're sending more prisoners to federal centers. We're sending them there to uh, privatized prisons, Mm -hmm. out-of-state prisons. So uh, we can't make it go away by changing statistics and numbers, or even as we did in California, change the term of what recidivism even meant. My estimation would be that, that the numbers may be even higher because of some of these artificial conditions that we've placed, including uh, saying that a recidivist wasn't really a recidivist unless they were convicted of a new crime within a noon time period. And we also came up with flash incarceration. Right. So flash incarceration is when a parole or probation officer can bring someone in, even for the offense of a new crime, And rather than have them go through the whole rigmarole of a new trial, first of all, a county DA would certainly love to turf it over to parole or probation rather than waste a lot of uh, time and energy on prosecuting a new case. So they kick it over to probation. Probation says, "Okay, we're going to give you a flash. There's probable cause you did it. We're going to give you a flash incarceration, 10 days in a county jail, and out you go. And it doesn't count as a new offense. It doesn't count as a conviction. In in felony cases, it doesn't count as a strike. Really good information from our friend Heather McDonald at the Manhattan Institute, uh, where she compiled the data uh, and said, in in the city of Los Angeles, violent crime rose nearly 20% through August 22nd, 2015, compared to the same period in 2014. Property crime was up 11%. Shooting victims up 27%. Arrests were down 9%. Uh, And it goes on and on to examine some of these other um, local jurisdictions where crime rose. And so we're saving money in prison, but it's it's not really going anywhere. It's not going to schools or neighborhoods. Instead, we are incarcerating the people that we really want to keep at the county jail, at the local level. Now, what I call this is cost transfer. Right. That's all it is. It's all it really is. Because what you're doing is you're saying, okay, we're going to save funds on a a state program, but we're going to then transfer that that penalty into what becomes property crimes and violent crimes, um, where the cost may be someone's life or it may be someone's possessions. That those things have 
costs associated with them. Yeah, one how is, do you feel about one, that? One is priceless, right? One, one is priceless, and one has a exactly. Uh, you know, recently I had a, a drug addict steal my bicycle. You know, like, out of your garage, out of my garage, and it was locked up. And so that so, that just epitomizes who the victim is these days, right. and it's the individual people that are having their stuff stolen, broken into. And you've got insurance. You'll get a new bike. You'll pay a, a premium. Yep. And the 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 shift is back on us as individuals. Right. Yeah. And so what you have is okay. So if I don't render a claim to the insurance company, then my premiums don't go up. So I have to think about that. If I go out and buy another thousand dollar bicycle, I have to think about that. Um, I'm never going to see that property again. And it's ironic as all get out that. Literally days after we referenced the movie The Bicycle Thieves, uh, in a podcast that was broadcast about two months ago, literally days after that, some knucklehead breaks into my garage and steals my bike. Um, And so what I think we see here, and we've mentioned this in different contexts, is you have a very small population of people who are doing the, the bad stuff. They're doing it constantly. There's, If you have a rash of car break-ins up and down your block, it's pretty darn sure that it's one to two individuals that are committing all these break-ins and once you put them behind bars the problem magically goes away you know nature hates a vacuum so maybe another car booster is going to come along and take over that turf right but the prolific chronic offender right if you cool his jets at a local county jail or Right. You know, state prison right. at the onset. Yeah, at the yeah. outside. Now, and I and the, again, I want to go back to the the good intention and the 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 thought that this is something we do need to do mm. is this sillyly named formerly incarcerated reenter society transformed safely transitioning every person act. Yeah, let's call that first step act to begin with. Well, now, we, giving, we we decided to change the name of juvenile offenders to yes. justice involved youth. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I mean, you have. Um, you have the, the idea that some people who have offended once, maybe twice on a minor level, if we give them the tools and the resources of an education or you know, a skill, you know, learn, to teach them how to be a welder or something, it's a good idea in practice. It doesn't seem to work that much, but if it works a, a little bit, then okay, I think that it's a worthwhile investment to make, but not at the expense of... Letting people out. I'm going to give you one more statistic from this great report. More than three quarters, this is 77%, of released drug offenders were arrested for a non-drug crime within nine years. And more than a third, 34%, were arrested for a violent crime. There is a correlation here. People don't de-escalate their level of right. crime. They, right. they, 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 I got away with that one thing. I'm going to see if I can get away with something else. And, and you know how difficult it is to not only catch somebody, arrest them... But to get a DA to prosecute and have a jury convict, or even say if they, they go for an appeal, a, a plea bargain, mm-hmm. and, and take the time, staggering 83% yeah. over nine years, 83% will reoffend. That's just... It, it, this basically statistically validates what we have been saying anecdotally for many, 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 many years. Yeah. Right? And if you're interested in the report, go to the Bureau of Justice Statistics. You can pull it up yourself. There's the earlier study that goes from 2005 to 2010 that came up with that uh, 68% um, uh, increase. And you can see the updated version that just came out in May uh, that talks about the 
the 83% and, and what that looks like nationally. Tell us what you think. Tell us your feelings on this. I'm pretty sure I know where most of you are going to be. Uh, that's policing matters at police1.com is our email. Policing matters at, police, at police1.com. Thank you again for listening.